me something tall and strong Make it a hurricane before I go insane It's only half past twelve, but I don't care Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report podcast, Energized by Celsius. This is the Bucks vs. Chiefs preview, and we will get into each and every breakdown, matchup, everything you want to talk about with these two highly coveted teams. But first, just want to wish everyone well and hope everyone is doing okay during Hurricane Ian. Obviously, it hit um, part of the Tampa Bay area and obviously a lot of devastation over in Naples and Fort Myers and Punta Garden. Punta, our thoughts and prayers are with them. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Matera. Joining with me is the face that runs the place at pewterreport.com. It is SR Scott Reynolds. Scott, how you holding up? Um, any damage to the house? How, how we doing? Um, no, thankfully. <laughs> thankfully, everything turned out okay here at the Reynolds household. And certainly, uh, like you, echo my thoughts and prayers to everybody that was affected by Hurricane Ian. Just a devastating storm. And, you know, it, it stinks, right? Because you, you, you're you happy that your house was spared, that the Tampa yeah. Bay area didn't take a direct hit, that you're you know, I live in Wesley Chapel. You live in Tampa. And by and large, we just had some high winds, not even a whole bunch of rain. But then you see the devastation to the south. And you know that there's just some great Americans, great Floridians, great Buccaneer fans in, in that area. And so your heart just goes out to them when you see on social media and on the news, these these devastating images of just destruction, you know. And uh, it makes you really appreciate you know, um, how, how blessed we are and, and it makes you want to help those in need. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad for, for, for the Tampa Bay area and for Buccaneer fans everywhere that this game can still be played at Ray J and sports has always been an escape for people, right? It's something to look forward to. It's something when, when the world is closing in, when our relationships aren't going right, when, Politics has got us pulling our hair out and you know, all sorts of things, right? When your workplace is, isn't happening and your kids are, you know, driving you crazy, whatever it may be. Sports is kind of that escape, right? We want to win. We want to feel like when 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 we've been wronged or when we've lost in different areas of our lives, we want we want that win, you know. And and I hope that the Buccaneers can deliver a win for not just themselves, but for the Buck fans everywhere for the state of Florida, because it, it's been a, a very trying week for sure. Yeah, it really has. And you're you absolutely absolutely hit the nail on the head just with the, you know, the devastation. You know, our, our hearts go out to everyone. And yeah, Tom Brady pretty much said what you were saying about how sports can like bring people together, yeah. bring communities together. And I thought, you know, Todd Bowles said it very well too, uh, where obviously the Bucks were practicing in Miami this week to escape the the hurricane that was supposed to hit the Tampa Bay area. Yeah. And he said, like, you almost feel guilt, guilty. Like, you feel lucky and blessed that, yeah. you know, you're able to get out of there. But you also feel a little bit guilty because you're thinking about the people that weren't able to evacuate from Tampa and the other areas that we talked about. And, you know, at the end of the day, you can't save the world, I yeah. believe is what Todd Bowles said. That's so, right. um yeah, I, I thought it, I thought it was very well said, and I do agree with you. I, I think Sunday night's game, while you have two teams that are pissed off because they both did not play well in their yes. last game, <laughs> right. um, I think this is also going to be obviously it's a very highly coveted matchup: Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Super Bowl rematch. But I also do think it is going to be a very emotional game with everything yeah. that went on in Tampa this week. So hopefully, the Bucks can kind of you know, rally around that a yeah. little bit. And, you know, they talked a lot about bringing 
joy and entertainment to you know the fans. So hopefully they can do that at Raymond James Stadium. And also at the same time, play a little bit under control, right? That's one of the things <laughs> that, that Todd Bowles was talking about when he did address the media this week, and and that's coming out to to you know a faster start, not just on offense, right, but on defense too, because. 20 out of the 27 points that have been scored against the Buccaneers have come on the first drives, right? When you look at, at the, the field goals by the Saints and the, uh, the Cowboys, right? And then mm-hmm. the 14 points that was essentially the first two drives against the Packers. But that's kind of Bulls' point is, is we got to get up to faster starts. And even though the Bucks defense has played well in so many areas, still leading the, 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 the league in scoring defense, Still, I believe, third with with the the amount of sacks in the top five with takeaways. Still doing exceptionally well, top five in terms of third down defense. Matt, it's just one of those things where they can do better, right? And and if they had held the Packers to just 10 points rather than 14, they would have won that game. As crazy as it sounds, I mean, scoring is down across the league. This is not just the Bucs defense playing better. It's a lot of teams' defenses playing better. And a lot of offenses – aren't playing up to snuff either. And I think what I pointed out in my two-point conversion, uh, which there was a delay a game for that too. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was dealing with my wife uh, actually having uh, an, ap- uh, an appendectomy. She yeah. lost her appendix on Saturday, then the Bucks game on Sunday, then the hurricane this week. So it's been... Well, you had a little bit better of an excuse than the Bucks for not, you know, for uh, for the delay of game in that sense. And we do hope that Ashley is doing better as well. Definitely on demand. Uh, But the funny thing is, is I I I was a day late on my two point conversion, and I thought, well, that's appropriate. It's delay of game on me as well as the Bucks (laughs) for that two point conversion. But what I wrote in there was went back and looked at, at the week three lineup, Matt, from from a year ago compared to the week three lineup here. There's only three starters. That are they were they were playing in that game uh, this this year that played a year ago. We're talking Tristan Wirfs, the right tackle, Tom Brady, the quarterback, Leonard Fournette, the running back. I mean, that's a good three to have. Yeah, but I mean, there's eight other players that played last year in Week Three that didn't play in this this year's Week Three. And so, to me, I just think that that I'm not trying to make excuses for the offense. But Matt, it's not like you know. Well, they didn't have Mike Evans, right? And and you know, let's make an excuse there. No, it's Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Julio Jones, Ali Marpet, Ryan Jensen, right. Donovan Smith. I mean, Rob Gronkowski. It is a lot of, of firepower and Pro Bowl credentials that are missing right now that they had last year, and I think that's showing up in the lack of third down conversions, the lack of success on first down, and of course, the lack of point production too. Whether it's the Bucks defense who's played starting low or just the you know the offense in general struggling to score touchdowns, uh, both sides in their respective issues, and I'll put that in quotations, uh, could really use a pep in their step a little bit. And if yes, you want to get a bit of a pep in your step, uh, you got to be drinking a Celsius energy drink, which of course is the presenting sponsor of the Peter Report podcast. Guys, you got to check out Celsius if you haven't already yet. Seven essential vitamins in their drinks it's the healthier energy drink because there's none of that you know post crash or jitters that you have when you drink a celsius that you might have with other products out there and of course we always love celsius because of the different flavors the vibes are very high on the show and i would recommend getting either the arctic vibe the peach vibe or the tropical vibe some of my favorite celsius energy drinks especially the arctic vibe of course you can get the sparkling orange sparkling kiwi guava so many different flavors and you could find out what flavors they have 
on the Celsius website. Click on that store locator. Find out where there's a Celsius near you. And, of course, if you want to buy them in bulk, I would recommend getting the variety pack because variety is the spice of life. You can go to Amazon and have it set up where you save some money and have it sent to your house or apartment, wherever it may be, uh, every two weeks, three weeks, whatever time you want it to be. Uh, make sure you're getting that Celsius energy drink. You will not be disappointed. That's Celsius, hashtag live fit. And yeah, I, I want to go back to the defense real quick and then start talking about the offense, Scott, where it is so odd because I, I always feel a little bit weird. Like the Bucks defense has been fantastic. And they're the reason yeah. that they have two wins on the season. And they're the reason why they almost beat the Packers. So Listen, as our job, we have to point out everything, whether it's good stuff, you know, getting after the quarterback, all the turnovers, right. or if it's the bad stuff. But when the the defense has played so well, it's tough to be like, wow, you guys have been great. <laughs> but here's where you're not good, and we're going to yeah. focus on that. But I do think it's very important, especially with the struggles that the Bucs have had on the offensive side of the ball. In a weird way, the Bucs defense, it's almost like, you know, when they talk about, when we talk about like Chris Godwin returning, it was like, we yeah. won't really know until he actually gets hit. And right. then Chris Godwin got hit on that first play against Dallas, and he was good to go. He was rocking and rolling up yeah. until he got injured. It's almost like a boxer. Some fighters are better after they get pummeled up a little bit and then start going after it. That's sort of what the Bucs defense, uh, you know, has become where they, you know, they bend but don't break on that opening drive, unless it's the Packers game, they allow that touchdown. And then they kick it into high gear for whatever reason. I don't even think, even though as great as Todd Bowles is, as you know, making adjustments and halftime adjustments, I don't even necessarily think it's that. You know, Shaq right. Barrett talked a lot about how, especially, and he's speaking more specifically to the outside linebacker position, they just get out of their gaps specifically. And uh, defensive co, co defensive coordinator Larry Foote had a great line where he was asked about it, uh, about the slow start. And he essentially said, yeah, I've been telling the guys, you know, you don't just have to dip your toe in the water. You have to, you can jump right, right. into the pool. And I thought <laughs> yeah. it was a really good point of like, you yeah. don't need this, you know, feeling out process. Just kind of right. go out. Hey, it's okay, okay to get a three and out on the first series. It's okay yeah. to pick off a pass. <laughs> it's okay to get a sack fumble on the first play of the game, right? I mean, that, yeah. that's essentially what, what Foot is kind of getting at. And I agree, Matt. I mean, when, you know, Todd Bowles is, is all about winning. And I thought he struck and his post-game comments, a great tone. Because I was here for the Tony Dungy years, and there was a double standard. And I wrote about that also in the two-point conversion, about how the defense was held to such a high standard. It was 17 points or less, right? The Bucks could not give up more than 17 points on defense because the offense just wasn't that good. That's what, that's what they had to, to do if they wanted to win. But he never, Tony Dungy never really held the offense to the same standard. It wasn't like, hey, you guys have to score 21 points per game, right? It just, it was always on the defense and, and Dungy was a defensive minded coach. And, and I think he was a little too hands off from the offensive standpoint. And that really caused some division in the locker room. I mean, Chidi Ahanatu and Trent Dilford did not like each other for, for more than a minute, you know, and, and, um, and, and I appreciate Todd Bowles coming out and saying, and basically saying, hey, Russell Gage, hey, did a great job with the 12 catches and the, the touchdown. But, I mean, really, if I'm being honest, the fumble, like, washes all that away. And then he comes out the next day and basically chastises Byron Leftwich for not getting Keyshawn Vaughn and Rashad White the ball and getting them involved too. And so I like the fact that Bowles is, is saying, I'm not just going to come out and – and praise or chastise my defense, I'm a head coach of this football team. I'm going to 
let the offense know too that there's also a standard. The standard's not just on the defensive side of the ball. And he made it clear, even though we didn't have the weapons, yes, the weapons would have been nice, but even though we didn't have the weapons, still should have won that game. And without those turnovers by Perryman and Gage, they probably put up enough points the way those drives were heading to where they might have been in position to win this game where you're not needing a two-point conversion at the end to send it to overtime. And lastly, Matt, he also made a point to let his defensive players know too, because I think Bowles is one of these coaches who uses the media to kind of drive a message home, especially with the advent of social media. It's not like these, <laughs> yeah, it's not like these players have to go grab a, a copy of, of Peter Report magazine or Buccaneer magazine back in the day to read it. They'll see it on their Twitter feeds. They'll see it on Instagram, the little clips of the press conferences and all of that. And what Bowles had to say was this. This is a, a team – we win and lose as a team. So if the defense plays great, it didn't play great enough. And again, I'm paraphrasing here, but didn't play great enough because we lost, right? And I think that's the message he wanted to send is, is we're not an offense. We're not a defense. We're a team. You win as a team, you lose yep. as a team. And so granted, the defense turned it on after those first two drives and really shut, for all intents and purposes, the Packers down with a bunch of punts, an interception, and a fumble. But it still wasn't enough to win, and that's the message that Bowles sent to his defense is, hey, in this game, we needed less than 14 points, and we failed. That's why football is the ultimate team sport, and as you yeah. said, you know, Todd Bowles talked about it. Tom Brady talked about it, too, where he said, you know, he absolutely – that's why he loves this game because yeah. it's a team sport. And he said these guys aren't pointing fingers at each other because yeah. there were times last year where the offense could be like, hey, what the heck, defense? You know, yeah. let's get it going. So now the tables yeah. have turned. That's why, you know, you can't really get on your teammates. And you know what? Yeah. Everything you're talking about, Scott – yeah, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, you know, I, I, I liked Todd Bowles's – just post-game press conferences, yeah. the comments that he made, because this was his first loss, right? This is this is a little yeah. telling because this this was a loss. So what's what's Ty Bowles going to say about his team? How is he going to react to the first loss? I liked what it, what he said so much. I wanted to buy him a beer, Matt. I really did. Mm -hmm. And if I'm going to buy him a beer or you a beer or anybody a beer, it's going to be a Pirate Republic beer. Why? Because they're the official beer of Peter Report. And they taste fantastic. They're brewed out of Nassau, Bahamas, Pirate Republic. Folks, you you cheer on the pewter pirates. You live a pirate lifestyle yourself. You live life on your own terms. So why aren't you drinking Pirate Republic beer? It only makes sense. There's three fantastic flavors of beer that are now available in the Tampa Bay area, and they are invading the state of Florida. Talking about the Long John Pilsner the Take No Quarter IPA, the Golden Haze of Piracy Belgian Wheat, and the beer that I just got through crushing today was the Long John Pilsner. But we're going to talk about – oh, that's fine. Go ahead, go ahead and put up the, the Golden Haze of Piracy. Let's gotcha. talk about this for a minute. This is a fantastic beer. It's packed with flavor. For the game, if you're looking for a beer to throw in the cooler and crush a couple as you're tailgating and pre-gaming, that's the Long John Pilsner. This right here, this is refined excellence. This is a Belgian wit beer. Malted barley and wheat together with Belgian yeast create a golden haze. White coriander and orange peel are added to the boil to accentuate a lively sweet citrus flavor. Folks, this is the kind of beer you want to throw an orange slice in, squeeze it, drop it in, uh, pour it in a glass. And it sets it off just fantastic. I encourage you with this weekend's games coming up, whether it's college football or or the NFL, 
grab a six-pack of Pirate Republic. You're not going to regret it. If you are a Pirate Republic drinker, let us know in the chat. We'd love to hear from you. But Pirate Republic is available at participating Total Wine and More, Lucan's Liquors, ABC Liquors, and Party Liquors in the Tampa Bay area. And you know we're pretty much at happy hour, so uh, you know That's don't right. hesitate to uh, don't hesitate to grab one right now. A Pirate Republic. There you go, right, right on cue. And uh, the last point I, I really wanted to make, Scott, uh, when you were just talking about. The defense, while it played really good, it still needed to be better because the 14 points was not enough. It right. reminded me a lot of, you know, times that you've told me that you've told, you know, everyone watching and listening on the podcast about, you know, back in the day with the vaunted Tony Dungy defenses where, yeah, as you talked about, they carried the way. And even when they had like the best of the best defenses like that won them a Super Bowl, it turned into, all right, we're a great defense, but now you got to score on defense. Like he yeah. challenged Derek Brooks to score touchdowns. He yeah. challenged Warren Sapp to get after the quarterback and, and force those fumbles. And I think the Bucks defense, and we'll see how they look this Sunday against the Chiefs, another obviously very, very tough battle, a measuring stick game yes. for the Bucks defense, whether they're great, whether they're elite. I think if they want to get into that elite category, they have to start, you know, creating those turnovers and, getting into situations where it's another pick six. I know Mike Edwards had one two weeks right. ago. Or getting that ball and getting it so close into the opponent's territory that you don't even have to worry about Brashad Perriman trying to break a tackle before yeah. he fumbles. I think that's the next step right. uh, for this Bucks defense without a question. Well, and, and I agree. And Matt, you mentioned Brashad Perriman, and we just got the injury report. So let's pull that up real quick. And as it turns out, Brashad Perriman, is is one of the players that is listed as doubtful, actually the only player. So the only Buccaneer player that is out for this game is Akeem Hicks. That's no surprise. Yeah. But Rashard Perriman with a knee and a hamstring injury, he didn't play that well last week, had the fumble. I thought he probably could have made a better play on a pass thrown into the end zone. Maybe the injuries were limiting him. But he is doubtful for this game. We reported that earlier. You had a story up on pewterreport.com. The other receivers, though, they're listed as questionable. So cross your fingers, Bucks fans. Russell Gage with a hamstring is questionable. He did not participate on Friday. Neither did Julio Jones. This was a rest day for him. So I know that a lot of Buccaneer fans are hopeful that Julio Jones can get back into action this week. Todd Bowles clarified his comments on today's conference call, Matt. He didn't say yeah. that he was healthy enough to play he said he was healthier and the team held him out so it's not as if he was ready to go last week and the bucks said no you're not going to play what they said was was that you know he he could have played right but he was not healthy as healthy as as he is right now so they're going to wait and see how he does and cross your fingers he's going to be a game time decision also matt could this be the week where Chris Godwin comes back into the fold? He's also listed as questionable this week. So Julio Jones, Russell Gage, and Chris Godwin all listed as questionable along with Donovan Smith. So we're looking at some game time decisions here, but it does look like Brashad Perriman is doubtful for this game. Yeah, Todd Bowles uh, really lawyering everybody with, uh, you know, his his specific verbiage and everything. Yeah. I'll, I'll read <laughs> yes. the exact quote. I'll read the exact quote, what he yeah. said about Julio Jones. He said, 
I didn't say he was healthy. I said he could have played last week. We wanted yeah. him to get healthier so he can possibly still play this week. He's done some limited things in practice and looked good. With Julio, it's all about how he feels the next two days as to whether he's going to play on Sunday. Sometimes yeah. he has setbacks. Sometimes he doesn't. We'll wait till Sunday to make that decision. I think that's an, an important thing that, you know, that, that he mentioned because Julio Jones practiced on a Friday two weeks ago before they played the Saints, and he practiced the following Friday before they played the Packers where he was stretching, he was running around a little bit. I remember specifically for the Saints game, I, I was a little more surprised, like, wait, like, why isn't he playing? He practiced on yeah. Friday. If you practice on Friday, you're most likely going to play. So I thought... Um, you know, that was a little surprising two weeks ago. Now you kind of like understand the system and what's right. going on there. A as far as uh, Chris Godwin and Donovan Smith, he said um, they practiced on a limited basis this week. There'll be game time decisions on Sunday, but they uh, did do some limitations in practice. And for Rashad Perriman, he said, unless he has a miraculous recovery by Sunday, I yeah. think it's possible that he doesn't play. So. Yeah, not looking good for um, Brashad Perriman. But you know what? You would make that trade off 10 times out of 10 if it means Brashad Perriman isn't playing yeah. and Julio, even if it's one right. of them, Julio or Chris Godwin. Yeah. And, I and think it, that's super important. I, yeah. I would suspect, too, that, that because Perriman would be out, Beasley would be would be in, right? I, I think they probably they probably do that. I mean, it, de it depends on if they're full strength, right? Because you have Mike Evans. Chris yeah. Godwin, Julio Jones, Russell Gage, if all of those players play, Mike will, right? But if those four players play, then you have Darden doing returns, right? That's yep. five. That's five receivers. Then is it going to be Scotty Miller or is it going to be Cole Beasley? And Probably going to be Cole Beasley. And you, yeah, you don't need Scotty as much with Mike Evans in there because Correct. who are you going to have line up outside? Yeah. It, it's Mike Evans, you know? So, and we saw Scotty was. Uh, healthy and active for the first game of the season. So, you know, they've right. kind of already, you know, seen what the offense can look like without Scotty Miller yeah. in it. And I think it, going back to Julio and, and Chris Godwin, if you had to choose one or the other, I think I would go with Chris Godwin this week, specifically because the Chiefs and their defensive coordinator, Steve Spagnuolo, who I remember watching him, you know, when he was like the Giants defensive coordinator, when they got after Tom Brady winning those Super Bowls, um, he's an extremely aggressive, you know, defensive coordinator. Uh, you mentioned it in your Fab Five yeah. today, how they like to send the defensive backs. So I almost think while the Bucks have struggled in the screen game this year, especially like with the wide receiver, Chris Godwin's the perfect screen wide receiver. Get him up yeah. the field, break some of those tackles, or you know, physical blocking. We all know how he likes to block, you know, defensive backs and cornerbacks. Right. I, I think that's where Chris Godwin can be really valuable, specifically for this week. I agree. And, you know, as we get into this preview, right, these are two teams that I know 2020 seems like it was yesterday in one <laughs> instance, but it seems like forever ago on another instance, right? Yeah. There's there's so many players that played in that game for both teams that just aren't there, right? Tyron Matthew was a big-time performer for the Chiefs. Remember, he got into it with Tom Brady, right? Yep. Uh, he's not playing. Antonio Brown scored a touchdown in that game right before halftime. He's no no longer playing for for anybody. He's he's out of the league. Rob he's Gronkowski, rapping. yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rob Gronkowski, two touchdowns for the Buccaneers to start things off. He's retired. Same Tyree with Ali Marpet. Yeah, yeah Tyreek Hill is now in Miami. I mean, it, it's it's not two completely different teams, 
but in some ways it really is. And it's interesting because Shaq Barrett really opened some eyes this week when Bolton he board material. He, yeah. So I, and I kind of I wrote about that in, in today's SR's Fab Five, Matt. If you want to grab that real quick, but Shaq yeah. Barrett, you know, he was asked on the conference call because obviously, remember, he had a big night of ten pressures, a sack. Some would even say he probably was the most impactful player in that game. Maybe should have gotten some Super Bowl MVP consideration. And if you go back to, to week 12, too, he had a really good game against Kansas City there as well. Four pressures in that game, had a sack fumble in the red zone to prevent another Chiefs score in that 27-24 Chiefs victory right before the Bucks bye week. So Shaq Barrett is feeling pretty good about chasing Pat Mahomes around. He's done a lot of it. He's done it pretty well. He's had two very good games against the Chiefs. But this is what he had to say this week. I really don't think it's too much of a difference when Barrett said when he was asked about all of the changes on Kansas City's offensive line. I think we have a lot of favorable matchups. I think we have the opportunity to really dominate the game. We have an opportunity to really impose our will as pass rushers, as edge rushers. This game, we could have, we could really have a coming out party. And he said, I know we had six sacks the other game. He's talking about the New Orleans game, of course, but we could really have a coming out party as edge rushers in the position group for this game. Now, that's a little stunning, right? Because this is some serious bulletin board material, but maybe it's a clarion call too, not just to rev Shaq up and say, Hey, I've opened my mouth. I've talked it. I've now I've got to walk it right now. I've got to I've, I've got to deliver. Otherwise, it'll look like an ass if I'm out here riling in the Chiefs' offensive lineup. But not just Shaq, right? Maybe this is a call to JTS and Vita Vea yeah. and Logan Hall to Hey, I put it out there. Now we need you guys to back me up. We can get after this team, and we need to do it. But Matt, it just it's it's a little different. They have Creed Humphrey at center now, former second round pick. That's an upgrade over what they had during the Super Bowl year. They've got Andrew Wiley at right tackle, Kansas City. That's the only player among yes. the five that was the starter in the Super Bowl, right? You've got Trey Smith, who is not great in pass protection, but has been a key element to opening up some holes for Clyde Edwards-Hilaire uh, in the running game at right mm -hmm. guard. Left guard, Joe Tunney, came over from the Patriots, used to block for for uh, Tom Brady. And then at left and Orlando tackle, Brown. Junior, and, yeah. Around, yeah. And, and the thing, too, is a Shaq Barrett, who's rushing now more from the right side. Thank you very much, Shaq. Uh, going up against left tackle. <laughs> but he hasn't done a great job, Matt, of going up against mammoth players. If you look at guys that have given him problems. Um, Havenstein from the Rams, the right tackle there. Uh, Whitworth, the, the left tackle. These big, massive guys. Ryan Ramchek, right, from the Saints. He finally got a sack on Ramchek. that has been a long time coming. But for a, for a smaller guy like Barrett at 6'2", 250, Orlando Brown, man, 6'8", 350, that's a massive dude with massive wingspan. Shaq Barrett has got to be fast off the snap. He's got to beat Orlando Brown to the punch. Otherwise, he gets engulfed. So how do you see what Shaq Barrett had to say against this offensive line? I applaud Shaq Barrett for having bravado and confidence because I think we get to a point in the NFL because people are so afraid to say stuff publicly that, you know, you get the cans. Oh, we, you know, we just got to work together as a team. We just got to execute. And I understand why. But, yeah. you know, I look at even 
you know, the, the Dolphins Bengals game last night, everything leading up to that, Tyreek Hill was like, I am going to cook Eli Apple. I'm going to burn his ass, <laughs> like going down the field. And Tua, and I hope Tua is doing okay. Obviously, that yeah. was a very sc- scary situation. But Tua in his press conference was like, Yeah, if Tyreek's one on one with Eli Apple, I'm throwing it his way down the yeah. field. So I kind of like Shaq that, you know, he had that confidence. He's going to bring that up. With that said, I found it very fascinating because he started laughing. Like before right. he started talking, he started laughing. Then he's like, yeah, I don't really see a difference. So I, I don't know what was, I'm curious what was going on in his head at the time. If he was right. just like, this is how I feel, but man, screw it anyway. I'm, <laughs> yes. I'm going to go and say it because yeah. it is so interesting that only Andrew Wiley is the only offensive lineman from that Super Bowl winning team. Now Shaq right. has, you know, he beat both tackles like a drum in the, in that Super he Bowl. Did. One sack, but 11 pressures in the game. Yeah. It's almost like unheard of especially going up against any team, let alone the AFC champion in the Super right. Bowl. But the other thing I would point out to Shaq Barrett, and I, I hear what you're saying about maybe calling out Joe Tryon-Trenka. He only has a half sack. Yeah. The Bucs have been getting to the quarterback. Uh, you know, they have 11. They're, they're yeah. top three in the league. And it's been very by committee. You know, Devin White leads the way with three. Shaq has two. Vita Vea has a sack and a half. And then everyone right. else either has a, has a sack or a half sack in Joe Tryon-Trenka's yeah. case. But on the flip side of it, with the Chiefs, the Chiefs only been sacked twice all right. season, Scott. Yes. So we're talking about, you know, a better offensive line and, yeah. you know, an elusive Patrick Mahomes, which you already knew about. But they're protecting Patrick Mahomes. So to say that this is going to be the coming out party when you had the six sacks against the Saints and the yeah. pick six and the five turnovers, whatever it was. Right. Um, to say it's a coming out party, I can't disagree with. But again, I will applaud his overall yeah. bravado and confidence. I love the, the bravado. I, I love calling a shot. I'm all about that. I love the swagger. And, and the thing is, is, is like Shaq usually doesn't do this, Matt. You know what I'm saying? He's a mild-mannered yeah. guy. He's he's a cool cat. He usually doesn't do this. So it really kind of raised some eyebrows when he did it because it's not usually in his nature. And that's why I almost wonder if this is more for his young teammates, Logan mm-hmm. Hall and JTS to, Hey guys, saddle up, you know, like we're, we, we, we got the shootout at the okay corral at eight twenty, you know, and, and we, you know, we got to mount up and, and, uh, and bring some firepower. And, and if that's the case, I love it. Um, the one thing I will say though, is, <laughs> is despite being pressured. And I want to say if my, if my numbers are correct, being pressured 44 times out of 53 pass attempts, and that includes pass attempts, uh, scrambles, which were called run, or I should say called passes before Mahomes scrambled, and the three sacks, right? 44 sack, or forty-four pressures in the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes, yet the, the Bucs only sacked him three times. That shows you how elusive he is. That shows you how he can make plays with his feet, get rid of the ball, etc. So it's hard to sack Patrick Mahomes, as you pointed out, Matt. Only two sacks already <laughs> in three games, right? And I'm just saying, like, the coming out party, that's some bold words right there. Because I don't know that you're going to sack Patrick Mahomes six times. The coming out party was against the Saints. Yeah. I don't think it's it's going to be against the Chiefs. I think if they get Mahomes on the ground three times again, they're going to be fortunate just because this guy does such a good job of either getting away from pressure or getting the ball out of his hands. And he makes plays that only 
Patrick Mahomes makes. I mean, you talked about the sacks and the pressure they got in the Super Bowl. They could have had so much more, but Mahomes just did Mahomes yeah. things. And, you know, just going back to that Super Bowl real quick, like you couldn't ask for an, a better defensive game from the Bucs. They only allowed nine points in the win. The Chiefs did not reach the end zone. It yeah. was a tremendous job by the Bucs defense. It was as good as it gets. It's almost like, you know, winning the jackpot if you're going to play the slots at the uh, Tampa Hard Rock Casino. Just the way you like it. Me and my wife decided we'll have some fun. I was playing a two-cent machine. Six bets in, I hit a jackpot. $117,000. Hi, my name is Tara because I want over $500,000 playing slot. I do this full-time and I would not change it for the world. I'm Gloria. I won over $2 million at Seminole Hard Rock Casino. I went and bought a bunch of jewelry. <laughs> my name is Mike. I won over $350,000. I love playing back rock because it hits different. When you pull in that car and you flip over that nine, beating that eight, can't miss. I'm Jimmy. I won a half million dollars in a slot tournament at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Even a blind squirrel can get a nut sometimes. <laughs> my name is Philip, and I won 215000 on Blazing Sevens. Putting my last $40 on the table, next thing you know, bam, 215000 jackpot. I hit that bad boy. I didn't realize how much it would change my life. You only live once. Have fun with it, right? Anybody can win at Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa. Never know when you can win big. Make sure right. you're playing at the Seminole Hard Rock in Tampa, where we will have a couple of live Pewter Report podcasts. Yeah. So keep on the lookout for that. Yep. And speaking of Pewter Report live, well, guess what? We got a game in Tampa, and we're going to be live at the walk-ons in Midtown Tampa for our awesome pregame show. It's the Celsius Pewter Report tailgate show presented by Age Rejuvenation. Live at walk-ons, it happens two hours prior to kickoff, whether it's a home game or an away game. So the home game this week is going to be at walk-ons in Midtown. If you haven't been there yet, it's just down the street from the stadium. It's a great place to go either before the action on Sunday night or, you know what, don't even wait till Sunday. Go watch some college football there tomorrow. They've got two great locations for walk-ons, a Midtown Tampa location, where we're talking about, and then the Wesley Chapel location. And that's uh, over there across the street from the Outlet Mall in my neck of the woods up here in Wesley Chapel. It's called Lutz, but it's really right on the border there. And you want to make sure that you stick around because the the festivities, right, the Pewter Report tailgate show starts at 6.30. And that's going to take you all the way up until game time. And that's when Pewter Game Day kicks off. Matt Matera and Casey Hudson live at 8.20 with live in-game analysis. So where can you find the action? Pewter Report TV. That's our YouTube channel. You can check out Pewter Game Day. And also for the best Bucks coverage, make sure you're checking out our content on pewterreport.com. We've had record traffic this month. Thanks to you, Pewter people. We love you. Thanks so much for joining our content, or I should say enjoying our content and joining us for the Pewter Report podcast here on Pewter Report TV on our YouTube channel. But you can follow us on social media outside of YouTube at Pewter Report on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And uh, we've had some great content. SR's Fab Five is up, getting ready to put up our Pewter predictions and preview for the weekend. And uh, we've also got the latest injury report, too. So a lot of great content on pewterreport.com. Very, very true. Now, uh, getting Buck fan going up against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. We talked about the offensive line, Shaq Barrett's comments. Um, obviously stopping Patrick Mahomes is probably 
I'm not even say probably. It is priority number one. But in terms of everyone else on the Chiefs' defense, they're still getting a lot of production out of Travis Kelsey. And I was very curious with the Chiefs this year, not just because they're playing the Bucs this season, but you know they are a very captivating team that people like to watch. Yeah. Obviously, the big question was when Tyreek Hill when when Tyreek Hill left. You know how's that going to affect everyone else, especially Travis Kelsey? Because as talented as he yeah. is, it always helps when you have another great receiver yeah. on your team. But Kelsey he's, has he's really also thirty, what 32, 33? He's no spring he's, chicken anymore. Still very productive. Up, yeah, he's up there. Uh, yeah, a little bit in age, but I still think as as far as receivers, running backs, everything goes, I think that number one plan outside of getting after Patrick Mahomes is covering Travis Kelsey. And I'm curious if it'll be Levante David again. We saw him do that a lot. So that kind of like allows Devin White to either, I don't want to say, he'll probably go up against Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, as you pointed so, out yeah. in the Fab Five, little LSU on LSU. Yeah. That's always very fun. But that matchup is really what I'm looking for because yeah. I feel good about, you know, Carlton, uh, you know, against Juju Smith-Schuster and, right. You know, Marquez Valdez Scantling, he burned the Bucks on the Packers two years ago That's in right. that home game. But again, long term, I don't see him, you know, killing the Bucks in that aspect. I really think it comes down to uh Kelsey, how they defend him. Yeah. And I think we saw a lot Aaron Rodgers last week. You know, initially he was seeing his first read. He was getting out. A lot of times it was to, you know, Romeo Dubs, and that's where the Bucks struggled early in the game. So I think it's gonna be important to Take away Mahomes' first read, but then Rodgers, I'm bouncing back and forth here between yeah. the next game and the last game. But Rodgers did a great job of when everyone else was, you know, covered downfield, he would dump it off to the running back or it'd be a tight end like out in the flat. And Mahomes loves to throw that ball underneath to, you know, Edwards Hilaire. Um, and, and Edwards Hilaire has done more damage, in my opinion, like as a receiver than he has a running yeah. back. So he really I, has become that complete running back yeah. that Andy Reid hoped he would be, that it can be a factor on all three downs. Now, I will say this he does have 116 yards rushing. It's a healthy 5.3 yard average. He does have one touchdown, but, and this is on 22 carries, but one of those carries, was 52 yards. So that's yeah. almost half his production. At the same time, you can look at that one of two ways. Well, he's only averaging about 2.3 yards per carry with take, taking away that run. But at the same time, it shows when he does have a crease, the explosiveness and the speed that he has to break off a big play. So it's a little bit of, 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 a, of a double-edged sword there. You have to look at it and say, you know, he's not like Barry Sanders, right? He's, he's not nearly as talented. Right. But that's how Barry was. Barry would sit there, and I watched Barry an awful lot <laughs> cover him <laughs> when he was destroying the Bucks defense, even when they were the Tony Dungy defense and really good. You know, you'd hold Barry to two yards, one yard, you know, minus one yard, four yards, and then a boom, 80-yard touchdown run, right? That's just how how he was. And I don't think that Clyde Edwards Hilaire is that dynamic, but Matt, you bring up a great point in terms of him in the passing game. He really has shined as a receiver. He's the third leading receiver right now behind Travis Kelsey and Juju Smith-Schuster, yeah. who is that kind of new number one. Edward Solaire right now has got 12 catches on the year for 115 yards. That's a healthy 9.8-yard average. That's almost a first down every time he's touching the ball, and he's got two touchdowns through the year. Yeah, Scott, I think the best way to sum it up is, you know, you look at his stats from last game. He had seven rushing attempts for zero yards, an absolute donut. So we're talking about being a non-factor in the run game. As far as last week, we're on the flip side. He had uh, five receptions for 39 yards and uh, and a receiving touchdown as well. So 
Um, obviously doing everything in the passing game. Uh, he's had three, four, and five receptions uh, so far through three games. So increasing his value in the receiving game uh, going forward. And, you know, the Chiefs, outside of Edwards Hilaire at running back, like Ronald Jones has been uh, a, a healthy scratch. So I don't think we're going to get a, you know, Ronald Jones uh, revenge game. But it yeah. does seem like if you kind of take out those two guys, like Justin Watson, shout out to Justin Watson, former Tampa yeah. Bay Buccaneer, Super Bowl champion. He had a great touchdown catch in that Thursday night game against the against the Chargers. With that said, I don't foresee Justin Watson making another big play like that. You know, I, I just don't really see it happening. And if you look further at that, you know, that Chiefs Chargers game, the Chargers should have won that one. Obviously, Justin Herbert got injured on the uh during the game. Patrick Mahomes had at least two interceptions that were dropped that should have been picks. And right. obviously that's been the story of, of the Bucks defense previously. They finally started getting their hands on the ball. Um obviously against the Saints. And then last week's game, Logan Ryan had the interception. Jamel Dean had an interception, but it was nullified by too yes. many men on the field. But that is a good sign, you know. It is. It is. Especially with Todd Bowles is being very sarcastic about Jamel Dean when he's like, oh, yeah, you got to throw him the difficult ones. He'll catch that. Yep. So um, I really just think it's it's taken out Edwards Hilaire and Travis Kelsey, and then you can live with Juju Smith-Schuster and Miko Hardman yep. and, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, another another thing that we're taking out is we're taking out uh, almost 9,000 here. We're, we're on our way to 10,000 with our Pewter Report TV YouTube subscribers. So if you haven't ha had the opportunity yet to visit us on Pewter Report TV on our YouTube channel, make sure you do so and hit subscribe. It helps us grow our numbers. We're almost at 10,000 Pewter people. So it's awesome. Thanks so much for all of your support. And also to make sure you like our videos, give us a thumbs up. When you do that for any of our Pewter Report podcasts or any of the content that we produce on pewterreport.com, it helps our YouTube algorithm. It gets us in front of more awesome pewter people like you so we can help grow our audience. And we greatly appreciate all the support that we have uh, been given. You know, when you look at, at this Chiefs defense, it, it's really interesting because it's a very young secondary, especially yes, at the cornerback position. And if these old graybeard Buccaneer wide receivers can get healthy, right? Julio Jones, who's 33, and Chris Godwin, who's an old man. What is Godwin now, 25, 26? You know, <laughs> yeah, I think 26 and 27. Yeah, yeah. If, if, these, if these guys can get healthy, I think they can take advantage of some of, of the youth and the inexperience here that that the uh, that, that the Chiefs, Chiefs. Have, you know, have to offer. But I will say this. One of the players that I like coming out in the draft process that really has made an impact is their slot corner. That's Ladarius Sneed. He's a big guy, and usually you don't see bigger corners in the slot, but this is kind of the way the NFL is trending a little bit. They're, you're seeing bigger wide receivers in the slot now. Cooper Cup is a prime example right there in, in, uh, in L.A. The Bucks mm. will even use Mike Evans on occasion in the slot at six foot five, right? But Ladarius Sneed, 6'1", 192. He's got a forced fumble. This year, he's got a, a fumble uh, or a one-pass breakup, but he also has two sacks, and that's one of the things that Steve Spagnuolo likes to do is, is blitz the the nickel corner, and that's something Todd Bowles likes to do also as well, blitz from the nickel, whether it's a safety, whether it's a corner, et cetera. And Legereus Sneed, when he came in to the league as a rookie in 2020, he had two sacks. He had a sack last year. 
through three games, he already has two sacks. He was getting very involved, not just in pass coverage, but also in pass rush. And this is a, a player who's still looking for his first pick on the season, but he did have three as a rookie. He had two last year. He's a player that, whether it's a pass rush situation or a pass coverage situation, in the slot, he can hurt you. Now, is he going to be covering Chris Godwin in the slot or Russell Gage in the slot? We're going to find that on Sunday. But Legereus Sneed is probably their best overall cornerback right now that's healthy on the team. Yeah, I would say so. And I think there's a huge drop-off, and no disrespect to Russell Gage, but Chris Godwin versus Russell Gage, you know, there is going to be a difference difference in the production and you know what you're going to get from them. Again, I just I would love Chris Godwin for this game. And it'll be a tough battle against Snead. I know in the Fab Five, you had Gage against Snead. I believe yeah. you gave the uh you know, the, the advantage to, to Snead in that situation. Yeah. I can really just picture again, like a blitz off the edge screen to Godwin 30 yards up the field. Yeah. That's how we started his season. That's right. That's right. Uh, against the Cowboys. It was, you know, a, not exactly a similar play, but it was similar in terms of screen. And I just think it's important for the Bucks offense in general to uh, listen. I understand it's all new people, but eventually it has to start gelling together. There has to be that continuity coming up and you're not trying to rush Chris Godwin back by any means but I really think especially this young group and it's funny because they're not exactly the same to the Bucs secondary but because it's such a young group you can't help but try to make the comparison to the grave diggers and that's essentially yeah. what you know the Bucs were especially when they won that Super Bowl so there's something yeah. about a young DB room just flying around we can kind of relate to it because we saw it with the Bucks, but we've also seen, you know, those battles in training camp and they still go towards Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin in that situation. So I really do think if the, the Bucks and we'll see how they do running the ball, but I really yeah. do think if they just hammer home that play action and, you know, fool some of the linebackers and especially some of the secondary, if you're going to blitz Snead or yeah. um, just, you know, maybe having your eyes in the backfield a little bit too much versus your opponent. I really think that's somewhere where the Bucs can take advantage of. And I agree. No, let, let's yeah, not you're mad. It's, it's, it's always a gamble, right? When you blitz, Tom Brady especially, if you, it's, it's a gamble because if you don't get home, and listen, the Chiefs have got a very good defensive front. Joe Cullen, who you know I know from his days when he was the defensive line coach here in Tampa Bay under Lovey Smith, he's coaching that front right now. They still have Frank Clark. You've got a fantastic player in Chris Jones, one of the best interior defensive yeah. tackles in the game. They brought in Carlos Dunlap. He's got a couple sacks. So does Jones. So there's I a lot the of bucks to sign him, by the way. I Didn't know. Yeah. I wanted them to sign yeah. him when he was a six two seventy seven. He's an older yeah. guy, but he's a situational pass rusher. George Karloftis at a Purdue is their first round pick. So they've got a stable of guys up front that can maybe cause some problems for this young and inexperienced line. But you know, Matt, if they don't get home against Tom Brady, he can make you pay with the blitz, especially if he's got his complement of wide receivers out there on the field. And by that, I mean a guy like Julio Jones or Chris Godwin to complement Russell Gage and Mike Evans. But if you're going to do any gambling, the place to do it is at my bookie. And I'll tell you why. You know why? You know football, right? And you pick winners all the time. So why not get paid for them at my bookie? You know, Matt, I've been gambling at my bookie for, gosh, five years now, I think. As long as this partnership has has been going on, which I think is in year four or five, 
I love my bookie. I love the navigation on the app. I love the the the, the uh, prop bets that they have. The layout of the website, whether it's on the app or whether it's on my desktop, is top notch. So you can bet single game spreads. You can bet money lines. I like the money lines. Or you can parlay multiples together to increase your payouts. Low entry, uh, I should say low contest entry fees, over half a million to be won. Make it so you don't have to be a pro gambler to have fun. Getting started is easy. Just go visit mybookie.ag and use the promo code PEWTER on your first deposit to secure a double deposit bonus. That's right. Use promo code PEWTER to get your first deposit match, dollar for dollar, all the way up to 1000 bucks. MyBookie is a proven sports book that makes it simple to bet and win. So make this your winning season exclusively at MyBookie. And Matt, there's no better time to join MyBookie and get ready for the weekend of college football and the NFL than right now on Friday. So visit mybookie.ag, use their promo code Pewter, and join the action. You have any uh, college football picks this week? I know you like betting on yes. college football. Yeah, I, I hate KU with the passion. KU has won me a lot of money this year. <laughs> okay, KU is undefeated. Uh, I, I, I love the fact that K-State beat Oklahoma and had a nice rebound, but KU... I've won, I probably won a total of 50 bucks off KU. So nice. if, if if the fictional birds, I mean, listen, there's no such thing as a Jayhawk. It's a fictional bird. It's like the bastard son of Toucan Sam. I mean, there's no <laughs> such thing as a Jayhawk. It's a stupid mascot. I mean, a wildcat, that's a real thing. That's a real animal, right? Yeah. But a Jayhawk? Come on. But listen, if the Jayhawks are going to win, I might as well make some money off of them. So I've done that. And I've actually won my last two bets on K-State. I bet the money line on Tulane because I had a feeling K-State was going to get tripped up by Tulane at home, and they were. So at least I won money, but my favorite team lost. Yeah, but it's called it's called a happiness bet. It you is, yeah. Team won or, you know. Well, at least I made money, money off, the, off the loss, right? Yeah. But I also <laughs> bet K-State in Oklahoma because we that was a, a good money line. We were the underdog, and K-State just owns Oklahoma, even in Norman. They do. It's, it is wild. Yeah, so Kansas so, State is a seven and a half point favorite this week against Texas Tech, who's coming I'm, off a big win. So you might think like, oh, you know, yeah. they're still riding high off of that. They might be a little distracted. I actually put money on Texas Tech this week because ah, that's very that's the money line. So yeah, I have a lot of bets coming for the Friday. I'll just with I have Houston minus two and a half against Tulane, uh, Washington shout out Vita Van Joe Trianchenka. I have them minus three against UCLA, and yeah. I also picked the under in that game 64 okay. and a half so yeah uh more picks on saturday but we'll worry about that on yeah saturday. yeah uh one last thing i want to talk about with the the wide receivers and who's going to be in and who's yeah. going to be out and the struggles that they've had on offense they have not scored a touchdown uh in the first half of all three of their game i think it's also important to point out that they have not had chris godwin julio jones and donovan smith since week one so for all right. the issues that the box have had and there are there are issues, uh, especially in the run game and in third down efficiency. But let's not Mike Evans talked about this week that they're not panicking at all. Yeah. Let's look at this group and week three, they didn't even have Mike Evans. Before we push the panic button and go out on a limb, how things need to change and Byron Leftwich needs to do this. And you know, he does need to call a better game. There's no right. questioning that. Sure. But let's get through at least three or four games where you have <laughs> Not even 
Evans, Godwin, and Jones. At right. least just Evans and Godwin or Evans sure. and Jones. Let's not let's not push yeah. the panic just yeah, button just I, I agree. That's all I'm saying. We're talking 17 game season, right? Yeah. When we play three. There are 14 games to go. And the one game you're talking about having the full complimentary of, of wide receivers out there. They won that game by 16 points, did they not? I mean, that's that was a 19 to 3 <laughs> win in Dallas. Yes, and Ryan Suckup missed a gimme field goal, right? So it should have been 22, correct? Yes. Then, then you've got uh, the fact that that it, both of those, there was two drives that stalled inside the red zone, one of which was inside the 10-yard line. If the Buccaneers would have scored, let's say, one touchdown rather than a field goal, add four more points to it, now you're talking 26 to three, right? Now, right. now you're, you're talking about a three touchdown win on opening day on the road. So, and, and then the narrative yeah, becomes, yeah. And again, and then the narrative becomes, well, week two, you know, you're missing Godwin and Jones and man, it's, they always struggle with the saints in new Orleans. And then right. week three, it's, well, they didn't even have Mike Evans. So what do you want them yeah. to do? But because they struggled in that first game, it, it's, a constant narrative of they struggled all season long. Right. When again, I don't think that's necessarily the case. They've been I, bad in the red zone, yeah. but going from the 20 to the 20, they've been fine moving the ball. You know, they're not starving for first downs. And I've seen plenty of teams, the New York Jets for the last decade, <laughs> starve just yeah. to get a first down to get it to the 40 yard line before you even get no. to midfield. And that's not been the case with the, uh, you know, with the Bucks offense at all. I'll say this, the Bucks third down conversion percentage needs a pick-me-up. It does. Yes. And, and I think that when you have players like Godwin and Jones and, and a healthier Russell Gage, because let's be honest, Russell Gage is not averaging seven yards a catch now. Like, it's putrid. Uh, he, you know, I, I think he's really lam- limited with the hamstring, and, and I understand that. But when you have your big guns back out there, you're going to have more explosive plays, Matt. And I think that's something that that we really need to kind of wait and see on before we do sound the alarm bells. Because the best way to avoid third down conversion issues is to avoid third downs altogether. If you're getting first downs on first down or first downs on second down, right, with a 12-yard pass, in the Buccaneers, they did have some big-time shots when it came to First downs, right? You had a 24-yard catch by Perriman to start the game. You had a 25-yard catch and run by Jalen Darden in that game. You had a 19-yard catch by Cam Brait. Those were all first down throws on first down. So if the mm-hmm. Buccaneers can have a little bit more success throwing the ball on first downs, then I, I think they're they're going to have the opportunity to to get more touchdowns and uh, on the board because you're not going to have some of those drives stall out on third downs where they have to punt. One last thing, too, that I'm going to make, Matt, the point I'm going to make is I remember back in the Super Bowl, the Chiefs linebackers were the weakness of that that defense. That's right. And and they're, they're still not necessarily great at the linebacker position, right? You've got Darius Harris is one of those linebackers. But Nick Bolton was a player that I did like coming out of Missouri, right? He's a, a, a linebacker. About six foot, 237, kind of compactly built, kind of like Devin White. Second round pick out of Missouri last year. And this year, he's starting off the season with the bang. He's the leading tackler for the Chiefs, plays all three downs, base. He's also a, a nickel linebacker, 29 tackles, two sacks, two tackles for loss. 
he needs to get a little bit more involved, I think, in, in the passing game. But kind of like Devin White, he's a little bit of a downhill player. And Bolton is an upgrade over some of those linebackers that they've had in the past. And I thought that was a real weakness, not just in coverage against the likes of a Chris Godwin or a Rob Gronkowski, right, in the Super Bowl. But also, let's not forget the double-headed monster that was Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. right? They had over 145 yards on the ground in the Super Bowl. And Kansas City's linebackers were a big reason why. They weren't up to snuff, but Nick Bolton's a player that kind of impresses me. And we'll see if Leonard Fournette, you know, how much he plays in this game. Uh, not because, I mean, he he was on the injury report, you know, the past yeah. couple of weeks. But um, obviously there's been an emphasis with Bowles yeah. talking about it. And of course with... Yeah. Um, and these guys too, Willie Gay yeah. and, and Leo, Leo Chanel. Chanel. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, three, you know, again, like you said, better linebackers than in the past. We'll see how much Rashad White gets to play and, and Keyshawn Vaughn. We can get to that, you know, uh, in a minute. But if the Bucks start scoring more touchdowns, Scott, you know, Bucks fans are going to feel a lot better. You know, I agree. Just a lot, lot better. Kind of like how you feel better after taking some age rejuvenation. As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women. I was tired all the time, had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to age rejuvenation because I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. Got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with Age Rejuvenation. Do it now. Don't wait. Call Age Rejuvenation today. Hi, guys. If you want to feel better, go to Age Rejuvenation. Lose weight, feel great, have better sex. You might have seen Age Rejuvenation as the new sponsor of my SR's Fab Five column today on PewterReport.com. And also the presenting sponsor of the Pewter Report Tailgate Show presented by Age Rejuvenation at Walk-Ons. Like We're going to be there this Sunday. The Midtown location at 6.30. Well, I'm an, a new age rejuvenation customer myself. Thankfully, I don't have any issues in the bedroom, but I did turn 50 this year and energy has become a problem. Turns out I have low testosterone like most men in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. It's just age, fellas. Low testosterone affects everything from weight loss to just the daily energy that you need to get through the day to stamina. And now there's a way to fight it, and that's what I did with testosterone therapy. I listened to my guy, John Gilmore, who's been an age rejuvenation customer for over a year, and he looks great, feels great, and we encourage you to visit agerejuvenation.com. Check out the website. Age Rejuvenation's got five Tampa Bay area locations to serve you. Lose weight, feel great, have better sex with Age Rejuvenation. All right, as we wind down here, uh, you know, a couple more things. I guess, well, not really to discuss. I just want to get back onto uh, the running back real quick. We have to see more Rashad White. And I personally want to see some Keyshawn Vaughn in this game. Again, because he played well late in the season, because he. Uh... I think we lost Matt. Did we lose Matt? I think we did. Well, who knows if he lost power. Or if he uh, hit the wrong button, sometimes that happens too on the podcast. Um, I'm not quite sure what Matt was going to say in terms of his topic. I think we're going to get Matt back here in just a second. We had a little bit of a technical difficulty here. So let's go ahead and bring Matt back onto the show. Matt, how are we doing? You there? 
Yeah, better now. I okay. didn't know. Uh, I didn't know what happened for a second. I was about to talk about the running backs and how I, I want to see more of Keyshawn Vaughn, and then I, I just, was waiting here. Yeah, and, and then it just. <laughs> I don't know what the heck happened. It said yeah. on the thing though, it wasn't my fault. So I appreciate okay. my laptop and Streamyard actually That's saying it good. wasn't my fault. But all I really want to say is that I was just so surprised that he got no snaps a week ago. Ah, he did some teams. Not trying to hype up Keyshawn Vaughn in football. <laughs> said it That's <enough>. great. <laughs> Hey, good comments, a good comment. No uh yeah. no no argument there. But I just think with his experience and with the a little amount that we've seen Rashad White, and Rashad White did beat out Keyshawn Vaughn in in you know training camp and the preseason, but that's not to say that Vaughn had a bad preseason by any means. So yeah. I don't know. I I just think if White, who has already made a mistake with dropping that pass in New Orleans, he hasn't right. had too many rushing attempts, they haven't really been successful when he has ran the ball. Yeah. Why not split it up? With Fournette obviously getting most of the carries, but why not split it up with White and Vaughn versus just White? Now, if he pops off early in the game, sure, ride you know ride those coattails yeah. until you know you need Keyshawn Vaughn. But I just yeah. think you know if we've seen the White that we've seen from the first three games, give Keyshawn Vaughn an opportunity. That's all I, I'm saying. I know I, he thought he ran his ass off in in the, the the preseason, caught the ball better in training camp. I'm with you. I want to see what this guy can do. He's in his third year. They're going to have to make a decision on Keyshawn Vaughn next year. Might as well get him involved early. It's a long season to go for Leonard Fournette. Listen, folks, we do appreciate the fact that that everybody's hanging in there on a Friday and joining us. Usually we have Pewter Report podcasts Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We've had to condense some ads, and and you know we've got some, yeah. some sponsors that, that, that foot the bill for the show and allow us to bring this show to you. We appreciate your patience through those ads, and we also hope that you genuinely support the advertisers that uh, that sponsor the Peter Report podcast, and also it's an hour long show. We spend a couple of minutes on each sponsor, yeah. so it's not like you're not getting any bucks content. If you yeah. don't, if you don't want as many ads, if you want to pay for this podcast, you can hit us up. That's so, right. Yes, we, we. I don't really we, want to hear complaining unless you want to start paying us for. Yeah. You know, well, we, we've talked for an hour. We've probably had about five minutes worth of ads. Uh, so um, here's what I'm going to say, just to end the show. I'm grateful that this game is being played in in Tampa for a couple of reasons. Number one, I do think the Raymond James Stadium crowd can really make a difference. I think that that this is a Sunday night football game. The Buccaneers, they don't get too many of these, right? It takes Tom Brady to get as many primetime games as this team has gotten, Matt. Uh, when Brady's gone, we'll see how many primetime games this team gets. Yeah. <laughs> we, you and I have been covering this team long enough, even the Jameis Winston years, when you came on board, you know, it was like one or two primetime games a year, right? Now it's, it's And one so, would be like a Thursday night game. Yeah, right? yeah. The now, do have one this year, but it's a little bit right. different when it's your own. That's going to be a hell of a game, too, with the Baltimore Ravens coming to town. Uh, and just a few Very weeks. excited for that one. Yeah, but I, I will say this. I'm, I'm excited for Sunday night's game. I think it's going to be great that they could still hold it in Tampa. Thankfully, the damage in the Tampa Bay area was was minimal due to the, the path that the storm took. At the same time, too, it's going to be a raucous environment. Bucks always haven't played too well on Sunday night football, but thankfully it's not the Saints this time, so we'll yeah. see if they can handle business. The last time these two teams played each other was awfully fun at Raymond James Stadium with the Bucks beating the Chiefs in Super Bowl uh, 55. We've got our pewter report preview and predictions up, folks. Uh, go find out um, who picked the Bucks to win and who picked the Bucks to lose this week on pewterreport.com. We appreciate everybody tuning in today for another edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Uh, in addition to having our pewter report 
uh, tailgate show. That's the Celsius Pewter Report tailgate show presented by each rejuvenation walk-ons, followed by Pewter Game Day. We also have our Pewter Report post-game podcast coming up. That's going to be about an hour after the game Sunday night, followed by our next Pewter Report podcast. It's going to be on Monday, Matt. Hopefully, it's another victory Monday. Yeah, we like we like those victory Mondays. Those are you know those are super fun. Uh, one last stat before we close out the show: Tom Brady, since joining the Bucks, is nine and one against AFC teams. Uh-huh. The only team that he lost to was the Kansas City Chiefs in 2020. But of course, as Tom Brady usually does, he avenged that loss yes. by uh, beating them. Um, in the Super Bowl. So just want to say we appreciate everyone watching and listening to the show. Uh, keep a lookout for all the shows we got going. We're pretty much there all day on Sunday from yeah. the tailgate show to the game day and the Peter post game show and our podcast on Monday. Uh, we appreciate everyone watching and listening again. Hope everyone is safe. So for Scott Reynolds, I'm Matt Matera saying thanks everybody for watching and listening. We'll see you on Sunday for another edition of the Pewter report podcast out out.